Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. They have to put a GPS on the little infant Jesus now because people want to steal it so that they can find and see who it was. They're trying to do all kinds of things so that they don't know who this baby is. And the truth, if you ask any one of those people, they really don't know. They've never had a chance to get to know the Savior. And what they know, again, is just not correct. The problem is many Christians know that he is the Son of God. But do you know who he, how he is so neatly and how he neatly fits into the Father's salvation plan? Jesus was promised, and he came. And how is it that Jesus affects us every day? That's really the key for what, what being a Christian really is. And that's my main burden, as I've sh- shared with Andrea many, many times. Is, you know, I'm not into liturgy. I'm not into religion. I'm not into tradition. I'm into how does this relationship with Christ affect me every day? How does it practically break down? How am I supposed to live? I want to be able to walk with him every day, and I want to understand it. So the three kings, I think they came in the very same way. In other words, they knew that he was coming. They saw his promise in the star. They came from the east to worship him and who they knew to be the king of kings. But as all people awaiting the Messiah, they really didn't know who he was. And of course, until he lived. They thought he was a king of kings. They knew that he was a king of kings, but he was so much more. If we look in Isaiah 9, Devin read some of that this morning. I want to read it again. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This was the promise. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This was who they were expecting, one that would come and bring great joy and great defeat to their enemy. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment that was rolled in blood will be destined for the burning, those things that represented suffering and struggle, fuel for the fire. Then it brings it to this. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. They knew a person was coming and the government would be on his shoulders. Obviously, they they immediately thought that he was going to have political impact He did, but not nearly in the way that they thought that he was going to. And he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's a tall order, isn't it? That one political figure would be able to fulfill all those things. But once again, they didn't understand fully who Jesus was. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Speaking in, in, in our natural mind, we think, well, you know, from one corner of the earth to the other. They didn't realize that it meant forever and ever for every nation 
and for all time. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. Of course, once again, to just David's throne, in other words, just Israel, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. So God made a promise, and he was coming. And when he was born on that wonderful day, you can see that those, it was just a real shock wave. And of course, Jesus, you know, continued to grow and, and was among the people, but it wasn't until he came into his ministry, and probably not until he had ascended, did they fully understand who Jesus was. And there are three offices. There are three mighty representations of who Christ was that we need to make sure we understand. When this Christmas day comes, you take a moment to think about how he can impact you on that day, today, and every day, especially coming in 2015. To embrace him in these three ways is going to impact your life mightily. First of all, Jesus is the prophet. He came as a prophet. He came to tell us about what was to come. He was the fulfillment, and he was the word. A prophet of God is someone who reveals God. He speaks for God and communicates to the people the truths that God wants them to know. And of course, the people understood what a prophet was. In their mind's eye, a prophet was the person who would come and speak on behalf of God. And of course, they were very excited. You know, During this 400 years of silence, there were no prophets. Undoubtedly, Jesus... He did this. He came as a prophet to do the will of the Father, as we know there in Luke chapter 22. He is there to reveal the Father's heart in Matthew eleven twenty-seven, and to speak the things of the Father. It's the heart of God. So he came as a prophet to communicate the Father's heart and to be a direct line, a direct line of communication. And he still is today. So what does it mean for us? Well, let me finish this. He refers to himself as a prophet many times because he knows, of course, that he's about to die. And he says that you can't have a prophet to die in the city of Jerusalem. So he he refers to himself as a prophet. Let's, Let's establish that. In Matthew 13, verse 57, he speaks about a prophet having no honor in his hometown. And at that point, he was able, it says he was not able to do any miracles in that city. Jesus referred to himself as a prophet. More than just a king, more than just the son of God. He said, I have come to speak the words of the heavenly father. So what does that mean to you and me? Excuse me. First of all, he makes sense of the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus is that connection. You know, I see people when they study the word of God, they often go to the Old Testament and they quote it. And a lot of times out of context. And if you're going to study the Bible and you're going to study the Bible correctly, Jesus has to go with you. You have to take him into the Old Testament because he is the decoder ring, if you want to say. He's the one that when you go to the Old Testament, it's the aha moment. He's the one that it was all pointing to. Sacrificial system, the tabernacle, the times in the desert of training and discipleship, Canaan land over and over and over again. The prophetic impact of who Jesus is is incredible. It makes it much easier for understand, to understand the message because he was the messenger. He helps us connect to the end of days. 
See, when we think about our lives, you know, as a prophet, Jesus spoke of the end times quite often. And when we embrace who Jesus is and we bring him into our life, it helps us to live our lives in context. See, what, what, what is very difficult for us as Christians to do is, is we tend to fall in to the, 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 the lifestyle of those around us, which is that mentality of to eat and drink for tomorrow we die. In other words, to just live life without any sense of, of uh, consequence. But Jesus came to say, look, I'm, I'm your bucket of cold water to let you know this will be wrapped up. And I'm here to tell you as a prophet, I've seen it. I know it's coming. Now live your life with that prophetic sense. To worship Christ is to live in the prophetic. And it gives us a sense of clarity. It's like that breath of fresh air. It's like going out into a cold morning and breathing in, waking our head up. It's, 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 it's causing us to just be alert, to get the fog out of our mind, our brain. That prophetic sense that Jesus could come anytime and he, could, he was going to wrap this all up. Again, it's, it's like it affects everything. It colors everything when we understand that he was a prophet. He helps us connect to the end of days, as I said. He, he, he had and has a message. His prophecy is still speaking to this very day. The, the prophetic impact, the truths that he spoke, if we obey them, we will have peace. This is really interesting to me, that what Jesus spoke wasn't just words to say, look, if this is good advice. He spoke truth with a prophetic sense. Now follow me on this. He said, look, if you listen and if you do what I say, then this is what's going to happen. You're going to get blessed. That if you'll obey me and you'll follow me and you'll listen to my voice, then this is what is going to follow. And he said, look, I'm here to tell you as a prophet that this is true. See, it's not just being scolded. It's not just being, again, the wisdom that they understood in the Old Testament. No, Jesus came as a, as, as a prophet to say, look, I'm, I'm telling you that as you obey me and as you listen to my words and as you embrace truth, it will impact your life in major ways. He's going to help us with our future. See, As a prophet, he came to verify our future. He's a God of the future. When he came, he said, look, I've seen it because I'm connected to the Father because I am a prophet, the purest prophet, by the way. See, Daniel and Elijah and, and Isaiah and Jeremiah only saw glimpses of what was coming. Jesus saw it all in perfect 3D care, uh, clarity. And he said, I, I don't know when it's all going to happen because that is the only thing about who I am that is left to the Father. But I'm telling you, I've seen what is going to happen. He is the prophet extraordinaire. He knows your future. He knows my future. So to connect to him is to connect to that knowledge. See, are we afraid of our future? Can I just tell you this morning, don't be. Because if you've put your hope in the Son of God, if you've put your hope in Jesus, you have absolutely nothing to be afraid of. He's the prince of what? Peace. Why? Because he knows. It's not, I mean, you know how you and I can only guarantee peace up to what we can, what we can control. I mean, I can only guarantee peace you know, in the four walls of my house, but even then, 
If my little kids get into a fight, you know, I tell anyone I'm working for that peace. But when we connect to Jesus, it doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what's going on at this moment. In some way, God is going to lead us through that wilderness to peace because he has our future in hand. He's seen it. He knows it. And he says, look, this is all going to work out for you. Just hang in there. He's your prophet. What child is this? That little baby full of all the wisdom of heaven, knowing the end from the beginning. Can you imagine when Jesus, I mean, it it just blows your mind, doesn't it? When Jesus began to connect to that, as he sat there in the temple, and it's like, how did you know that? I don't know. I just know it. What child is this? Jesus is the priest. He's a prophet, but he's a priest as well. It says here that he comes to stand on behalf of God's people. What is a priest? He's a person that stands on behalf of the people of God. He was the priest, and he was and is the sacrifice. That's a perfect priest, by the way. The priests were the ones in the Old Testament who offered sacrifices to God in order to cleanse us, to cleanse of sin and, you know, on behalf of the people. Ultimately, all such priests were representations of who Jesus was as the true priest. As we know, he offered himself as that perfect sacrifice. Ephesians 2, Hebrews 9, you can read of that. Hebrews 9.11 says, But when Christ appears as, as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. In other words, the tabernacle that was in heaven, the one that was on earth, was only just a representation of what was there. So they sacrificed bulls, pigeons, a lamb. But Jesus took his own blood up to the tabernacle, the perfect tabernacle, and said, This is my blood. He came as a priest and said, I have come on behalf of the people of the earth. And you can just see it taking place. The Holy Spirit and the Father are saying, well, where's the sacrifice? I am the sacrifice. And here is my blood. To pay for all of the sins of all mankind. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it couldn't have been more perfectly portrayed because you know when you go from a priest to a sacrifice even the priests in the old testament from time to time were found to be corrupt taking some of the sacrifice that was meant to be burned up for god maybe they would take a little bit and keep it from themselves when it was supposed to be wholly dedicated unto god we know that eli struggled with such things his sons grew up to be an embarrassment to him and then he ended up dying as Kind of a tragic death because he, he wasn't a perfect priest. He, wasn't, he didn't carry out what he was called to do. Jesus was perfect. There was absolutely no way that that sacrifice for our sins could have been offered more perfectly. So what does that mean for us? He is the bridge between the Old Testament covenant of works. See, in the Old Testament if we lived during that time, the only way we could be forgiven is first of all, convert to a a Jew. And then, understand and learn the law. And then, not only understand it, learn it, but do it. 
And then where we've failed to do it, we would need to have sacrifice on our behalf. And even then, our conscience would never be fully cleansed. There would always be that fear of, did it get it all? But Jesus came as that priest to be that bridge and began a new covenant, a covenant of grace. See, it's an agreement. God says, look, I want to be close to you, but someone's got to pay. And we're just left, you know, with that sense of, I don't know what to do. I mean, I can pay with the rest of my life. I can, I can be, you know, an indentured servant to you, God. I can, I can do my best, only to find out that our best would never, ever be good enough. Then Jesus says, okay, I've got a deal for you. Here's a new covenant. It's going to be a deal between you and the Heavenly Father. And I'm here to help you broker this deal. I'm here as a priest to help you fix this thing. And so I tell you what, it's, I've, I've got all the wording done. It's all there. And at the very bottom it says, who will pay? And we look at that and we just say, I guess I'm going to have to. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to pay for you. And so he signs his name. And we sign our name next to it. And the deal is, we don't have to do a single thing to earn it incredible understanding what child is this he's a one he's a child that grew up and looked at us with the most perfect love and he says i am here to fix what is broken and establish a new relationship with your daddy i'm going to do it for you to walk in that kind of forgiveness to know that we're free, to live every day so that we understand, we understand that he's forgiven us. As Paul said there in Romans chapter six, he says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means, I died to that sin. How can I live in it any longer? And in time, what happens is God creates in us such a, a passion and a hunger and a desire to want to please him, not to try to earn salvation, but to understand what salvation we've been given. And our, 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 our uh, response is just that I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen to him. And I'm going to put my hope and trust in him that he is going to work his will into me. I can't fix myself. I can't change myself. See, living every day, if you fall into that works mentality and you continue to say, well, I'm, you, know, I, I, you know, I've never done anything really bad then you don't understand what Jesus did on the cross for you at all. He's a comforter. He's, you know, we think in terms of priests, you know, and it's the reason why the Catholic Church has the priest who sits in the box as the confess, uh, as the uh, confessee, I guess it is, yes. And you go into that box and you confess your sins and you, and, and it, and you feel that sense of being forgiven, but the one thing that the Reformation discovered was, we don't need a priest, we've already got one. And then all we, we can go, it doesn't, we don't have to go to win a box, we don't have to do it, we can just, anywhere we are, anytime, we can come to him and say, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you wash me clean? Can I access the blood that you already shed on my behalf to wash my conscience? 
from the power of sin, the effect of sin, the guilt of sin, the shame of sin. He's there, ever-present, ready to receive our confessions. He's a counselor. He's our pastor. Do you think of Jesus as your pastor? You really should, because I'm not Jesus. Never can be, never will be, never hope to be. But as a pastor, it's my job to teach you that you have a pastor. That you have one that will listen to your confession. One who will listen and will comfort you and will give you counselor. Isn't that what it said? Perfect counsel. Because I'm not always going to give you the best counsel. But he's going to give you the perfect counsel. That's what a priest brings. He will help you with your past. See, as a prophet, he comes to help you with your future to tell you about it, to say it's going to be fine. As a priest, he's going to, he wants to deal with your past. He wants to help you with your past. See, all of us bring a past into this time. And you know, it's funny because Christmas is supposed to be the perpetual time of hope and joy. Most suicides, the most struggles. I mean, it, what is going on? Except that I think what happens is our expectation is so great upon a day whether it be Santa Claus or the gift or whatever it is, the 300th watching of, you know, it's a wonderful life. I don't know. But we have this sense and we put so much on that day and what we are missing is we're putting our expectation on the wrong person or the wrong thing. And if we're going to enjoy that day, then look, put your hope in the fact that he is your priest. And what happens is we start to think of our past. And you know what, you know, and what comes in our past, because see, I lived there too. You've heard my story. Three days before Christmas, my mom left. Matter of fact, my dad kicked her out in front of me. That doesn't always make for a nice Christmas memory. But when you put your hope in Jesus, and you realize, and you, and you see Jesus there with you on that day, and you, instead of looking at that as a tragedy, you see it as, that was a springboard for me to need God. And I've used that memory every day that I have known him as a way of saying, you know what? He is a good God. Because the woman who was kicked out now followed Jesus and I pray for. And the people and the child was there whose life was turned upside down now loves Jesus and has his own family. And is, I see the hand and grace of God. Whenever I, I'm tempted to think of my past and, and feel like something where I got shortchanged or I got the shaft or whatever, every time I start to think that way, when you think of him as your priest, he says, let me convert all of that and give it sense and give it hope. See, hope. It's, a, it's supposed to be retroactive. It's supposed to go into your past so you can make sense of your future. That's the way it's supposed to work. And only Jesus, by the way, can do that. See, if you come for me to counsel, you come to one of our elders, Dr. Brian, you come to Jamie, you come to counsel, a small group leader, you come to Dwight, and you're going to hear counsel, you want to hear comfort. But all we're going to tell you is, look, get to know Jesus. Because he's the one that will speak the word of hope. See, death can't, I mean, I know that death is, is one of those things that we seem to fight the most. But Jesus said, I conquered that. 
as a priest, he walked into death and came out the other side saying, I just beat that. So that death has no hold on us either. Finally, Jesus is the king, the one we're most familiar with. He's a king in the line of David, the lion of Judah, as promised. And it said that of his rule, there will be no end. Again, they didn't understand that he would be more than just a physical king, but he's a king, a perfect king, because he rules from heaven. And any king on earth who says, hey, I, I lay claim to the earth, he says, uh, sorry, mine. And I didn't just take it. It was given to me by my heavenly father. What did the scripture say? Sat at the right hand of the throne of the father and placed everything under his what? His feet. A king is someone who has authority to rule and reign over a group of people. And Jesus is just such a king. He's called the king of the Jews by the Magi in Matthew 2.2. 2. And Jesus accepts that title in Matthew 27.11 as he stood before the governor and the governor questioned him and said, are you the king of the Jews? And he says, it is as you say. He wanted to go, I'm sure, to say, and everything else, my friend. And everything else. But he couldn't speak it yet because it had, his coronation hadn't taken place. It was coming. Matthew 21.5 speaks of Jesus. And, and it says, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey. See, remember, Jesus is, is a king and that he rules and he judges. The only one who was capable of doing so. Totally shocked the Pharisees, didn't it? Really ticked them off. They didn't realize that who they were talking to was the only one who could give such a judgment. That he could walk into the, the, the temple and say, this house has been made a house of thieves. And they're looking at him, you're just a fisherman from Galilee. What do you have to say? I mean, I love, or I wish that he could have gone on to really explain everything. You know, maybe as a medieval uh, king would have. Come here, knave. Get on your knees. I'm the only one who can say this. This is my temple. I'm the one that gave you the idea for it. And all of what you're doing in here and have been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, all has been pointing to me. Couldn't do it, though, because he's gentle and kind and humble. And I tell you what, does that not make you? We're all yearning for leaders that are humble. We're all yearning for somebody who's not arrogant and will not take their power and use it for selfish gain. We all yearn for that. We're all yearning for the perfect king, the one who can rule. And you know what? What really breaks my heart is we're still working, looking for one here on this earth. And you're never going to get it. Not as long as they're human. Because the only one we've got is Jesus himself, the perfect. What child is this? He's a king and a perfect one at that. Says he wages war. One day he will come, not as that suffering prophet, not as that priest who had given his life and had shown weakness and, 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 and been mocked by the mockers, uh, by the soldiers. Not like that. One, when he comes again, he'll be coming as the king, by the way. You know, in his royal array. And no one will question who he is. And he's coming to wage war as a king should. 
against his enemies. And any king who rides in, and when he rides onto this earth, it's going to be very simple. He's going to say, who's for me? Who's with me? Because it's all going to shake down right now. And that's what a good God would do. That's what a good king would do, wouldn't he? He'd come in and say, look, I'm not going to destroy you all. I just need to know who's loyal to me. Who are my followers? Who are my subjects? Because now we're going to wage war on our enemies. And that's what he's going to do. And for those who've given their lives in fealty to Jesus Christ, we'll, we'll drop our spades and hoes and pick up our swords. So what does this mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be a king for you and I? He rules and reigns over all things. And again, I was just thinking about this, of, of the many things that may fly through my head, I must be in the end submitted to my king after all. Follow this one. Because you know, our lives, the moment we give our life to Christ, our lives no longer belong to us. This is the thing that pastors don't preach often enough. Because what we want to do is we want, I, I mean, I'm just share my heart. As a pastor, as a preacher, I want to get up here and share all the good stuff. I want to give you the bubble gum of what the kingdom is. But the truth of the matter is, man, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you, you, your ear is being put on the pole, and he takes a spike, and he drives it through, and he says, you are now my servant. We belong to him. That's why we call him Lord and Savior, not just Savior and one that I can call upon and get whatever I need when I want it. Or just check in him with him from time to time. No, man, we bow the knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we say, I belong to you. Now, you know, servanthood, slavery, those are uncomfortable things for us these days, are they not? The thought of, the concept of that, we recoil from. But the truth is, we've been bought with a price. And we belong to him. But can I say one thing? Is there anybody on heaven or earth or under the earth that you'd rather belong to than the one who loves you and died for you and will do all things to care for you? In reality, I don't know if I could you know, prove this theologically, but I think it's true. And that is, when he bought us with such a great price. He, he, he took us from the marketplace, if you will, and then brought us out in chains only to release us and to say, now, what's on your heart to do? The fealty belongs to us. The demand only comes from our heart. The desire and the the. the the pressure, if you will, to bow the knee should come from within us, never forced upon us. And therein lies the key. So I ask you that question. Are you submitted to your king in everything? I'm not talking about some kind of a weird control, but I am talking about are you submitted to God regarding every decision that you make? See, I think sometimes, I was talking to someone recently about grace, and I think grace clouds. See, grace only comes as a result, a, a, a fruit. Um, a, a, it comes later, after we understand submission and brokenness. 
Grace then should be a surprise. I heard a pastor say this, and I love it. Grace should always be a surprise. Isn't that good? Only a surprise. Never expect it. So then I come and I say, Lord, not doing so well. But I'm going to do better. I'm going to work on this area of my heart. And I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm I'm to submit to you more this area of my mind. Or I feel conviction because I'm wanting to do my own way. I feel my heart pulling from you, wanting to push that relationship, wanting to push that move, wanting to push this. I feel my flesh fighting me. And you bring it to God. And then in comes grace. You see, grace, I mean, even though grace will pull us, I mean, grace does everything. And I need to preach on grace, but let me get to the point here. The king expects complete submission because that's what a king is. He's our Lord. And with that, and what does that mean to us? It means that he's going to help us with our present. He will defeat the enemy on our behalf. Isn't that a cool thought? When we see him as the prophet, he's got our future. When we see him as the priest, he's dealing with our past. He fixes our past. But when we see him as the king, he's ready to kick tail on your behalf right now. But you've got to submit to him. Your king can't be surprised that you're one of his subjects. Right? Hey, you know, look, they told me I could come to you and you'd fight this battle on my behalf. And who are you? <laughs> right? Let me check the roster here. And Jesus said that's exactly what it will be like in the end of days. See, the scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Not just a God. Not just a Savior. Not just a priest, but Lord. Because he earned it. And, and every tongue is going to confess it. I mean, that blows my mind. When we look at that verse, we say, oh man, I speak that every day. That won't be hard for me to do at all. Easy test, right? When you got your exam coming up, what's the question on the test? You got to confess him as Lord and bend your knee. Oh, good, cool. I know that one. I've done it many times, ready to do it again. But when that test comes on the day for those who mocked him, pulled the little Jesus out of the mangers, who wanted to put up, you know, a satanic, atheist, you know, uh, symbolic things in courtyards and, and to teach our children all manners of evil, they're going to be the ones who are going to be forced. They'll have no choice at that point. In Isaiah 45, 22 through 24, it says, Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. Because see, that's what a king, that's the kind of king that he is. He rules it all, does he not? For I am God and there is no other. See, we take these three offices, prophet, priest, and king, and then what caps it all, what makes it all assuredly perfect is the fact that he is God. We can never miss the mark. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn to myself, because there's no one higher to swear to, 
the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back, that to me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance, and they will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Men will come to me, and all who were angry at him will be put to shame. So that day is coming. That day is coming. And that little baby, see, when we look at Christmas, I don't want you to look at Christmas the same these few, in these coming days. I want you to remember who he is. What child is this? He's not just a slobbering little baby, but inside him is the potential. All that is going to change the earth and has changed time ever since. Folks, the prophetic clock is ticking. The sacrifice has already been offered. And the king of kings is ruling from his throne even now. It's all there. It's all in place. The question is, do you see him that way? Do you see him that way? Let's stand up and pray this morning. If I could have our prayer teams come at this time, and we want to open the altar for just a time of prayer this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's come to him. Who is this baby? Who is this Jesus? He's the son of God who came as a prophet, a priest, and a king to fulfill all righteousness, to deal with the earth's past, to communicate regarding its future and fixing its right now. Lord, we, Lord Jesus, we come to you right now. And we thank you that you obeyed the Father, that you answered the call. You fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf. Lord, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can say except what you said would come from every mouth. And Lord, that's an appropriate thing to do. Lord, not just to sing Christmas carols. Lord, not just to sing, give, uh, give gifts, all of, all of which are good. But in the context of what we're getting ready to say, it all makes sense. Lord, on this day, we confess with our mouths. And let's do it together. Jesus, you are Lord. You're the Lord of my life. So Lord Jesus, we come before you today and we're submitting and surrendering to you. Like those three kings that came, or more, however many there were, they came and they knew that there was one thing they needed to worship. They needed to acknowledge that all of their importance, all of their accomplishments, all of their wealth meant nothing. What a powerful image. Bowing down before a little baby. A small child. We do that now. We bend our knee in our hearts. We submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Lord, even now, as our prophet would you assure us of our future? Would you comfort us in knowing that regardless of what comes our way, 
Lord, you are going to be there, that you have a purpose and a plan, and it's being played out. Only let us submit to it, surrender to it, that we might experience great joy and great comfort and peace, knowing you've got everything in control. Lord, we ask you to come to us as a priest regarding our past. Lord, there are some of us in this room today. Lord, we've taken communion. And we've tapped into a fresh understanding of your forgiveness, the application of your blood. But Lord, if there is any residual, Lord, if there's anyone in this room today, God, that is feeling guilty or, or struggling with shame, something done yesterday but, or even just years ago, it's a blot. There's a struggle. It's a place of darkness. Your priest comes and he says, you're forgiven. If you will confess... I am faithful and just, and I will forgive your sin, says the Lord. And it will be washed clean. Hebrews tells us that our consciences will be cleansed. Removing that guilt, removing that shame. And finally, he comes today as our king. We have battles that we're fighting in our life right now. Many of us are dealing with things that are overwhelming. Sometimes we sense the enemy's presence regarding it. Others, at other times, we're confused because it, it's a loved one that we're battling, a friend, someone who should know better. Lord, we give that to you right now. You are the King of kings. You have all wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Lord, you're able to untie every knot, God, solve every problem. And Lord, there are some of us in this room, God, we have conundrums, Lord. We have, Lord, we have things we just do not know what's going to happen. So Lord, right now, for those who are in that category, all across this room, right now in Jesus' name, would you come riding on your steed? Lord, would you come with your sword of vengeance? Would you come, Lord, bring wisdom? Lord, bring determination. Lord, that we would not give up, but to trust that, Lord, your plan is going to be worked out here. And Lord, we forgive those, God, who are abusing us. Lord, we forgive those, God, who are withholding affection from us. Lord, those who are trying to punish us, we forgive them right now. We release them in Jesus' name. Lord, so that you, God, can come and bring vengeance in your way, which is always, first and foremost, to see them repent and turn. Lord, all of our enemies, all across this room, if you've got an enemy in your life, God says, give him to me. Give them to me. Drop the stone. Drop the stick. Drop the gun. Drop the hatred and the bitterness. God says, let me come on your behalf. He's the king. So, Lord, we ask you now. Lord, work in us a fresh understanding of who you are and how you affect our lives every day. May we walk in it, Lord, in these next few days. And on Christmas Day, Lord, when we awaken, Lord, we, there would be a, a powerful sense of the fullness of who you are and how you impact our lives. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen.